Hello, my name is Pastor Mark Sturmer with The Church International, and I would just like to say welcome to our podcast. I know God wants to use this to speak something very positive into your life. I know this will encourage you, help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And look, if you enjoy this, leave a review, make sure you share it with someone, and go ahead and subscribe so that you won't miss out on any of the messages that God wants to communicate to you. Well, look, God bless, get ready, lean in, and watch what the Lord is about to do. So I'm going to read some scriptures, and then we're going to get into it. Uh, If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to John 20. John 20, starting in 19. John 20, starting in 19. I want to read the few scriptures and we're going to get into it. I I was praying about what the Lord wanted to speak this morning. And I was wrestling uh, through a few things. Um, But then the Lord just said, I want you to pick up from what we left off uh, last week. So the last thing that we hear is on the Resurrection Sunday when Jesus appears to the two and they walked and then he revealed himself. And then at that very hour, what they did, they they got up and they walked back, right? And when they walk back, they find themselves in Jerusalem in this, in this house. So we're picking up when they got back. Make sense? All right. So in John 20, 19, say this. On the evening, this is the same day that Jesus rose. This is still Resurrection Sunday. I right, said this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. I said, Jesus came and stood among them. And then he said, peace be with you. Can anybody use some of that this morning? Uh, in the gospel of Luke, what we find is this. Uh, we find that when they went back, uh, is that they found the disciples and others. So it was the disciples and those who was with them. So it wasn't just the disciple. It was more than that. In verse 20, we pick up and say this. After he said this, he showed them, this is Jesus. He showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, Thomas, somebody say Thomas. That's what we're going to talk about today. Somebody say Thomas. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciple when they saw the Lord. When Jesus came. For whatever reason, Thomas missed church on Resurrection Sunday. Look at your neighbor and say, don't miss church. Now look at the other neighbor that you didn't prefer first. So don't miss church. Don't miss church, somebody. Church is important. So Thomas wasn't in church. 25 said this. So when the other disciple told them that we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the nails mark in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. In this scriptures, there are three different parts that I, I kind of want to get into today. We're going we're gonna to break them down a little bit. And uh, if you can keep up and, you know, forgive me, I'm kind of into it right now. I still got the butterflies. But we're going to get into it. There's three different parts that I want to preach from. If you're taking notes, this is my title, From Doubtful to Faithful. From Doubtful to Faithful. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do today. Father, we pray that you will speak in this service. That whatever you want us to understand, Father, that you will communicate that to us. 
Father, we pray that I would shut up and you would speak. That the Holy Spirit will begin to move in this very moment. So we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, all the saints say amen. Come on, say amen. All right. Thank you, Miss Amanda or Allison, one of them. I can't, I don't know which one. I just call them the twin. Every time I see them, I say, what's up, twin? Because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, but I think we can often relate to this uh, story of Thomas in some way. Uh, if you're like me, um, you have moments where you struggle to believe into something without seeing it firsthand. I think if you're like me, you struggle with believing something that you haven't seen, something that you haven't touched, or something that you haven't been a part of. Um, I remember when I was in, uh, when I was in a student in youth, my youth pastor would always tell me uh, that Sam, communicating to people is tough. And then when you communicate the gospel on top of that, it's even harder. And if you know me, I'm a confident person, sometimes overly confident. Like in this moment, I feel like I can take on Pastor Terry. <laughs> That's why I need people in my life that will remind me that, Sam, you're only 5'6 <laughs> on your best day. But I am a confident God. I, I feel like there's nothing that I can do. I feel like if the Lord uh, put me in a space, I'm going to do my best to be able to get it done. So I'm very confident. So when my pastor would tell me that, I'll be like, well, you probably just lazy. Like you just don't want to communicate well or you don't do your homework. Right. And that was my attitude. And then when I became a leader at our youth ministry, he came to me and said, Sam, I want you to preach in youth. And I went from five, six to three, six. <laughs> my knees started shaking. That was my head. I got a migraine all of a sudden out of nowhere. And, uh, but I'm still confident. I'm like, dude, yes, of course. I mean, let's do it, right? And, um, and then he took me to lunch. And he said, Sam, uh, this is a note. He gave me a, a page of notes. So this is the note that I came up with. And you can add on if you want to. But I want you to stay in this rhythm. I want you to stay in this subject. And I say, of course. I'm like, I'm going to do it, right? So then I took the paper. I went home. And I went to the wilderness of my backyard. And in my wilderness, I fasted for 40 minutes and 40 seconds. And when I came out, I came out with a message. I was ready to preach to the next generation. And I came up with five pages of notes. And I was ready to go. I was waiting. I was just waiting for the moment. You know, I just had that voice inside of me. Like, God, if you want to use me, this is the moment. You know, I picture myself when it's raining and I've got my hands raised. And Wednesday came, and I'm walking into my youth group, and I feel like I'm a guest speaker. And I'm waiting for somebody to make me a coffee. Nobody made me coffee. I was disappointed. I'm like, we don't do this when guest speaker come. Like, what's the? Then I was sitting down, and I was waiting. I was just anticipating the moment that my pastor would call me up to go and preach. And he called me up. I was ready. I brought my pages of notes. I put them on on the table and I began to preach the entire time my head was looking at the paper I've never made any eye contact with anyone and I was preaching 
and I was sweating, and I had veins popping out of my head. I was just, and I remember the last words that I said when I was closing out the sermon, I say, the end. Like it was a movie. <laughs> I say, the end. And I looked up, and I was only five minutes in. I'm like, what am I going to do with the other 25 minutes that I got to preach? So I kid you not, I looked at my youth pastor, I dropped the mic, and I left. And I never looked back. So my goal for today is to do 10 minutes. (laughs) And I'm going to drop this mic, and I'm going to leave. But if we are honest, how many of you know that I didn't believe my youth pastor until I actually experienced it? Like, I didn't believe how actually hard it was to communicate until I experienced what it took. And often when we read this story of Thomas, uh, we see it as a doubting Thomas story. But in reality, when I read it, I think it's an honest Thomas story. I think Thomas didn't want to fake it until he made it. I think Thomas just wasn't going with the status quo. I think Thomas was tired of just believing other people without seeing it. I think Thomas really wanted to see it for himself. So Thomas was being honest with what he felt. Thomas who was honest with what was inside of him. And it's important that we understand that sometimes we miss out on our questions being answered when we find ourselves in the wrong place with the wrong people. And if we agree with that, then we've got to acknowledge that sometimes we do find our questions being answered when we find ourselves in the right place with the right people. Sometimes we miss out on our questions being answered when we find ourselves in the wrong place with the wrong people. But that has to mean that sometimes we do find our questions being answered when we find ourselves in the right place with the right people. So let's go ahead and unpack this. In 19, verse 19, it says this, On that evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were with Jesus, with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said after this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive anyone's sin, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. If we read this story, the first thing that we see, we see that Thomas is absent from the gathering. We see that Thomas is not in a room where Jesus came to. And I want you to get this that we often miss out on what God is doing in the room, not because he's not in the room, but simply because we're not present in the room. That we miss out on the deliverance that's taking place, not because Jesus is not there performing them, but because we find ourselves in the wrong place. That we miss out on the healing that Jesus can give us because we don't find ourselves in the room that Jesus will be in. That sometimes we miss out on all that God has for us. Why? Because we find ourselves out of the room that Jesus is doing it in. And not just being in a room, but being present in a room. 
See, there's a thing where you can come to church and you're just relaxing. There's a thing where you can come to church and you're just watching other people worship. But when I say being present, I'm talking about engaging in community, engaging into worship, engaging with the word of God and actually anticipating what God is going to do in your life that day. And for some of us, we come in here and we say, man, this is just my checkoff list that I went to church every Sunday morning, but we don't see nothing happen. Why? Because we're not present in the room. We're not present in a room. And I got to encourage you today that whatever you have to do, you've got to get in a room. Somebody say, get in the room. You've got to get in the room. Even when you don't feel like it, you've got to get in the room. Even when things are not going well, you've got to get in the room. Even when your kids are screaming every Sunday morning, you've got to get in the room. When things are not going right, you've got to get in the room. Why? Because there's something that happens in a room where Jesus is present. There's something that begins to take place inside of you in a room where Jesus is present. Thomas was not in a room. And as believers, when our worry is shaking, when things are not going the way that we thought they would, we tend to isolate ourselves rather than gathering even more. See, this first part of the story tells us why church is vital. Tells us why being faithful to a church is vital in our life. Because you will never know what you will miss when you don't come to church. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you better be in church. And get them kids in church too while you're at it. Here's a few things Thomas missed in the room. He missed the power and the presence of Jesus. In verse 19, it said this, with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, here's Jesus coming in into something that is locked. Here's Jesus showing his authority on something that have a lock on it. They were scared for people to come in, but Jesus said, no matter what you have on your door, I'm going to come in when I want to come in. Jesus said, no matter how much locks you got on it, I'm going to come in when I want to come in. And then the scripture said, he stood among them that the presence of the Lord was in a room. So he missed out on the power and the presence of the Lord. Either Jesus would not be stopped by any lock that you have, either on your door or your heart, that he's going to come in. And the result that comes with missing and being in a room with Jesus is the result that's going to end with doubting. The result that missing with not being in a room where God is doing work is the, is the end of it is going to be you doubting and asking questions. And we're going to find that in a second. The second thing that he missed out on, he missed out on the peace that only can come from Jesus. In verse 19, it said this, that when Jesus stood among them, he said, peace be with you. Uh, you've got to understand that the disciples are scared. They are frustrated. And Jesus come and say, peace be with you. And what I love is that Jesus didn't come to confront his disciples. But yet he came to comfort them. He came to assure them that everything is going to be all right. That I'm here. That you're going to have peace with you. And that peace can only come from me. Because the world can't give you that. So therefore they can't take it away from you. And the other thing that we see that he missed out on, he missed out on the joy that Jesus brought. Verse 20 says this, after this, he showed them his hands inside, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. 
It said they was overjoyed when they saw the Lord. There's something that happens where, 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 where you're in a room where there's joy in it. There's something that happens to your spirit when people are rejoicing, when people are praising, when people are worshiping Jesus. Uh, that's a faith that's contagious, that you can't help but rejoice as well, that you can't help but not think about the worries that you have, that you can't help but not think about what happened in your past. You can be in a moment and say, God, if they're rejoicing, then I'm going to rejoice. God, if you're going to bring this joy, then I'm going to take a part of it. See, Jesus brought joy to the disciples. The last thing that I believe that he missed out on is the promotion from Jesus. Verse 21 says this, and again Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. Come on, there's a promotion that comes from Jesus that we miss when we miss being in the room. Uh, there's a promotion that comes from Jesus that we miss when we're not in the room. The first thing that we see is Thomas is absent from church. Somebody say, mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. He's absent from church. He's absent from gathering. So he meets out on something that's going to have a result in the next scripture that we're going to read. He missed out on something that is going to show up in verse 24. I say this now, Thomas, 24, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciple when Jesus came. So the other disciple told them that we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see a nail's mark in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So the next thing that we see, we see that Thomas is being honest about his doubt. We're seeing that Thomas being honest about his doubt. Anybody in here like flying? Like you rather fly somewhere than driving. Like if you can fly me to my house right now, I would take that over driving. Because I can get that in two minutes rather than ten minutes. I'm the type of person. I just want to get there fast. Um, now, anybody in here ever got in the car with someone and they was driving terribly? Okay. Is that the person you see next to? All right, listen, 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 listen. Stay focused. I remember I was, my, my brother and I, we, was, we had a, a concert to do in Detroit. And it was fine. And it, was, it was bad weather. The weather was terrible. It was bad. It was terrible, okay? To say the least, it was terrible, all right? And um, so as we was going, I was excited because I knew that what the Lord was going to do on the other side was going to be awesome. Um, But when you are flying, and then you are reading your book, and there's a little light that comes on, and they say, please put on your what? Because, yeah, I hate that. When I get that sign, I'm going, oh, my God, like, this is it. <laughs> it's the end. And, like, I'm the type of dude who's like, okay, we're about to die, right? So it's like, I'm the kind of guy. So, but this was real. I mean, this turbulence was terrible. Like, we, we dropped so quick. I, I took out my phone, and I started texting my dad. I said, Dad, if I don't make it, come on, you know you do that in the car with your wife. I said, Dad, if I don't make it, <laughs> not like he's going to get it anyway, <laughs> like, Dad, if I don't make it, tell mom I love her and all this good stuff. And the thing is, 
I had the faith that I was going to make it on the other side, but I had to deal with the reality of the middle. I had to deal with the reality that I was in a storm. If we are honest with ourselves, we found ourselves in this tension somewhere along the line or our journey with the Father. I call it the tension of the middle. The tension of the middle. Now, I want to let you know something in the story. That Thomas once believed, lost faith. And we're going to see him gain even a greater faith at the end of the story. But the problem is this. You know that, and I know that. But Thomas still has to face the reality of the middle. The problem is you know that Thomas is going to be all right. But in this moment, Thomas still has to face the middle. Thomas still has to face in the middle. Because what happens when you find yourself in between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday? What happens when you find yourself on a Saturday and your Savior is silent? What happens when you find yourself in chapter 24? When a disciple has seen and heard from the Lord, but you have not. What happens when you look on Instagram and everyone has their Insta picture with their, with their family and you can't even get a text back? What happens when you see everyone's kid is thriving and you can't get control of one of your kids? What happens when you're controlling other people's highlights to your reality? Is that even though I have the faith that God is going to pull me out at the end, I still have to deal with the reality in the middle. I still have to deal with the tension in the middle. I still have to deal with the feelings in the middle. I still have to deal with my emotions in the middle. That I still have to deal with my stress in the middle. That I still have to deal with my doubt in the middle. That I still have to deal with everything that's coming against me in the middle. It's in the middle that we have to deal with the tension. It's in the middle where we have to deal with our doubts. It's in the middle where we got to see if God is going to come through or not. It's in the middle when we have questions what God is going to do in our lives. The more that I talk to people, the more I realize that most of our doubts do not come from science or other books. That often our doubts come when our expectations do not meet our experiences. The more that I talk to people, the more I realize that our doubt comes when Whatever we're expecting is not what we're experiencing. That whatever we're seeing is not the reality of our lives. Because what happens when you expect to have the joy of the Lord every single day, but every day has a new struggle? What happens when you expect to walk in the Lord's grace every day, but there's opposition that's coming against you? What happened to you? When you expect God to make his plan crystal clear for you, but instead, he's giving you a puzzle to put together. What happened to you when you have faith in your friends, but they betrayed you? And that's a tension that we have to do, deal with in the middle. What happens then? Because what we see here is Thomas is dealing with the tension in the middle. He said, I believe in God. <laughs> I did. But I'm kind of in a rock place in this moment. My back is against the wall. All my friends have heard from the Lord, and they are rejoicing. They're excited, but I have not seen the Lord for myself. 
And the question for most of us in here, the question isn't, what do we do if? What, what do we do if we have doubts? But rather is, what should we do when we have them? But the question for everyone in here is, it's not, what do we do if I have stress in my life? It's what I'm going to do when I have them. But the question is not, what, what do I do if I face oppositions in my life? The question is, what I'm going to do when? Because the truth is, you are going to face those things. That you're going to have some questions, you're going to have some thoughts. That you're going to have some anxiety. You're going to have some depression on the way. That you're going to have some hard storms that you have to go through. But I'm also reminded that God does his best work in the middle. Because it was in the middle of two miracles when Peter walked on water. That it was in the middle of a storm when the waves and the winds obeyed the voice of the Lord. That it was in the middle of a celebration where Jesus said, I'm going to turn water into wine. What I know about God is that he works in the middle. That you can bring your troubles, that you can bring your questions, and he's going to answer them in the middle. So what do we do when we have them? Number one is this. You've got to be honest about your doubt. You've got to be honest. Psalms 51 and 6 say this. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Uh, you got to understand that Jesus can handle your doubts, that he can handle your questions, that he can handle your fears. That there is nothing that you can put on his plate that is too big for him. That he can handle that. So what you got to do is you got to be honest about him. Say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. God, this is what I have. <laughs> Jesus, this is what I need to see. Number two is this, that you got to doubt your doubts. You've got to doubt your doubts. Uh, we have something here that we give out, which is very special. Uh, it's called the five R's. Uh, and this is how you doubt your doubts. Number one is that you recognize the lie. You recognize that this is the lie from the enemy. And number two is you rebuke the thought. You understand that that thought has no power over you because you have the authority. Number three is you restore the truth. What does the word of God say about this? You restore that. Number four is you revenge the thought. Number five is you redirect the mind. You've got to doubt your doubt. Rather than trusting your doubt and, and doubting your faith, you've got to trust your faith and doubt your doubts. You've got to trust that God has the final say. You've got to say whatever God says is the final thing in my life. You've got to say, God, you, you've came through before, so therefore I'm going to believe that you're going to come through again. And that's what you've got to speak over your life. Number three is this. You got to act on faith and not doubt. Hebrews 11 1 says this Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That faith is moving towards forward in spite of your doubt. Faith is taking God at His word even when you don't understand or see it. If you can't see it, it's not faith. If you can touch it, it's not faith. It's only when you say, God, I, I don't understand this, but because you say it, I'm going to believe it. And that's what faith is. It's taking God in his word. 
Number five is this. You've got to go back to what you know to be true. You've got to go back to what you know to be true. First John 5 and 13 said this. That I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So you might know that you have eternal life. That is what I know to be true. Is that I have eternal life in Jesus. That is what I know to be true. That I have eternal life in Jesus. You've got to go back and you've got to remind yourself. What you know to be true. And here's what I know to be true. Is that you are complete in him. He is what I know to be true. Is that you are more than a conqueror. He is what I know to be true. That you are the son and daughter of God. He is what I know to be true. That you are victorious. He is what I know to be true. That God calls you his masterpiece. He is what I know to be true. That he died for your sins. He is what I know to be true. That God is going to come through again and again and again and again. That God is going to come through again and again and again. We serve a God who keeps on coming through. We serve a God who never stops. We serve a God who say, you know what? What I know to be true is you are my son and you are my daughter. And I'm going to keep coming again and again and again. That's what we know to be true. first thing that we see in the story, we see the absence of Thomas at the gathering. And then we see the honest of Thomas with the disciples. And then we see Thomas go back to what he know to be true. Verse 26. This is for anyone who feel like I missed out on Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. This is for anyone who feel like I called his name and I, I didn't hear anything. This is for anyone who've seen God do work in other people's lives and you waiting for your turn. This is for anyone who said, I am hungry and I am thirsty for Jesus. And the scripture said this, then a week later, a week later, well, we can preach another sermon about patience. A week later, the disciples was in the house again. Somebody say again. The disciples was in the house again. They went back to what they know to be true. Said Thomas was with them. The first passage we learned that Thomas was not with them. But in here we see that Thomas was with them. And the scripture said this. Though the doors was locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. And then he makes it personal to Thomas. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hand. Reach out your hand and put it on my side. Stop doubting and believe. I love that Jesus made a U-turn and came back around. So for anyone who thought that God has passed you up, for anyone who thought that God has forgotten about you, for anyone who thought that God is not coming back, I've got a word for you. That Jesus is about to make a U-turn. And if you miss him on the first day, then Jesus say, I'm coming back around. He said, Thomas, I'm coming back for you. So whoever you are today, I want to tell you that God is coming back. The scriptures say this. Verse 28. It said, Thomas said to him, 
my Lord and my God. See, when his questions was answered, Thomas made one of the greatest confessions in the scriptures. He called Jesus both his Lord and his God. What do we see? We see in this moment that the greatest doubter has become the greatest believer. And I've got to tell you, and I want to encourage you, I, I wonder if we got some people in here who would say that once I had questions, the once I was doubting, but Jesus came into my life and he made a real for my life. And now I'm going from doubtful to faithful. That I believe in Jesus. That I believe that he is the son of God. That he rose on the grave to save my sin. Those who doubt, can do what Thomas did. If you can just be honest about your doubt, your fears pride, your sin, and other things that's hindering you from coming to Jesus, that you will find that Jesus can fill your life with forgiveness and peace and joy. He can bless you. He can keep you. So if we can, we can just stand up. One thing that I keep hearing as I was reading the scripture is, is that here I am. Because Thomas could have just said, you know what? This is it for me. But yet he went back. So here I am. So before we go any further, I just want to take a few moments to worship. Maybe you're in this space when you say, God, I need you in my life. I want to give you a few minutes to talk to him. Spend some time with him. Say, God, would you turn around for me? And would you show up again and again in my life? sing.
because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who believe but have yet seen me. And what Jesus is saying is very important. The good news for you and I today is that we won't be able to see Jesus physically. So we have to take him at his word. That this morning you can be blessed by believing in Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm taking your word and I'm going to believe it in you. So here's what we're going to do to close out the service. We're going to have a few more moments where if you want to come up here and I'm going to invite some leaders. If you serve in next gen, I would love for you to come up here and pray with, with, with anyone who's down here. So we're going to keep singing. And if you want to receive Jesus, you say, Jesus, I want you to come in my heart. And I believe, I believe, I believe. Come on, let's go ahead and sing this out again. Come on, let's go ahead and sing this out again. Lord and Savior. John 3, 16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. But that scripture and that promise is for those who believe in him. I've got to tell you, if you leave this moment and you don't give in to the Lord, you don't say, Lord, I believe in you, then my friend, that promise is not for you. That promise is for those who say, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. So if that is you this morning, you say, I'm going to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you just go ahead and raise up your hand real quick. We're going to have some people who want to come and pray with you from wherever you are. Come on, thank you. We got somebody over there. Come on, let's rejoice with them. Come on. So I'm going to say this prayer, man, and you can repeat after me. We're going to do it together. Say, Father, say this morning, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, but you rose again to be my Lord and my God. Come on, Father, we thank you for him. Father, we pray right now, Father, that you would send people in his life that would, that would encourage him, Father, that you would send people in his life that would be with him, Father. We thank you and we celebrate, Father God, that one soul has given his life to you and the heavens are rejoicing 
Come on, somebody. Can somebody give God some praise in this house this morning? The end. I love you guys. See you guys next week. You guys have a blessed week.